0: the apex church podcast thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's message be sure to check out our website at www.apexchurch.org.uk and let us know you've been listening now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today morning and what a joy it is to be with you. I have just discovered something over these last few days. There are a number of of things in conversation with people that seem to keep coming up, and this really got my attention. One of them was this statement that you'll be familiar with, life is short. Well, if I've heard that once, I've heard that several times over the last few days, even the last few weeks, and I totally agree with that, In fact, I think we should be saying, life is short, but eternity is long. And of course, the thought behind that is, what are you going to do with the time that we have? The other thing that came up in conversation, at least a couple of times, was this. If you knew that it was your last day on earth, what would you do? What would you say? Where would you go? (laughs) Now, I don't want to be dramatic this morning, and I certainly am not prophesying my imminent demise, But in in regard to these two statements, life is short. And if you knew that this was your last moments, what would you do? What would you say? And, And I've really been thinking a lot about this. I mean, the question that came to my mind was that if this was my last opportunity to inspire you, to preach to you, to encourage you, to come and say some words to you, what would I say? I know that I would be thinking very carefully. I would want to maximize the moments that we have together. What would I say to inspire you? Well, I know that if I had the opportunity, there's no doubt that I would be saying, hey, we need to live our life for Jesus. We need to live our life on purpose. We need to tell people on Jesus. I would be saying to you, don't look back, only look forward tell people about Jesus, live for Jesus, be sold out for his purposes. I'm sure there are many other things that I would say, but I think I could get condense it into these few thoughts. That would be my what I would say. And, and I, the reason I would say that is I believe that for every Christian, we should live, live every day as if it was our last. We should maximize each moment. Why? Because I think for us as Christians... There should definitely be fresh footprints on the pathway of Christian progress. What has God done for you lately? One of the things that I used to love as I was growing up is we used to have what you call testimony time. When people would get up and testify, and yes, some people would testify looking back, and we appreciated that, but there was something great about what is God doing in your life now? Every Christian, every believer, should have something fresh, fresh revelation, fresh understanding. This is what God is saying to me, and this is what I'm doing with what God is saying to me. What has He done? For you lately. So the thoughts that I want to bring to you today, I believe they're practical, I believe they're, they're needy, needed, and I believe that they're very timely. And I'm just going to try and condense this to a few thoughts. You can appreciate it's hard to, to get everything in in 25 minutes. I want to read to you from John chapter 5. Beautiful story here. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, beautiful words, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day in which this took place was the Sabbath. What interesting words for Jesus to ask this man who had been in this state of disability for 38 years when he asks him this question, do you want to be made well? That seems obvious. That's a a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. But this fits so well into the thought that I have in regard to some of the last things that I would say to inspire you because I believe that this comes up under the category you need to make up your mind. If Jesus is worth serving, is worth living for, and I believe he is, then we need to make up our mind that we are going to live for him. We're going to give him everything. No holding back, no looking back, Total focus, I've made up my mind, I'm serving Jesus, and I'm committing my ways to him. There's something incredible about an individual that has their mind made up. When Phyllis and I, my wife, when we were just married, we hadn't been married very long. It was before we had children. And my dad arrived at our door with this beautiful little puppy. It was black in color. He says, I've just bought two puppies, one for my sister Louise and one for us. We called our puppy Jet. It was a beautiful poodle. Absolutely gorgeous. Now, just to give you some context, my wife is a hairdresser, was trained. We had no kids, so this little puppy was looked after like it was her kid. I mean, my, she used to bathe it. She would groom it. She would look after it. This puppy was beautiful. Now, when you were sitting, it would jump up on your lap. You, it would cuddle into you. Beautiful thing. You would say, Jet, that's the name we gave it. Jet, come here. And that dog was so obedient in the house. But the moment you let that dog outside and off the leash, it seemed like something happened. It it was enjoying the freedom and had a mind of its own and would not respond to your command this used to really frustrate me because, especially at that time, we had church on a Sunday night. And, and I would try and get the dog out to, to go walkies, as we would say, just before the church service. Back then in the day, of course, you used to wear a suit and a tie, and my goodness. And I would be outside trying to get this dog to come in. It would be rebellious. It would not come in. You, I mean, you haven't seen anything until you've seen a black man in a black suit chasing a black dog in a black night. Hey, there you go. It would just go crazy. I would get so frustrated. I would hear myself making comments like, Walkies, quick Walkies, would you listen to your dad? No, the dog wouldn't do it. Then my mom came up with this ingenious idea. You see, the other puppy, Brandy, was the most docile, easygoing, just would march through life, lovely little thing, but it was so obedient. And when mom or my sister would tell, call that dog to come in, it would respond immediately. So mom came up with this great idea. She says, I'll tell you what we'll do. The, 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 the leash that is attached to, to brandy, why don't we take the end, the handle that we normally hold onto, and attach that and put it around the neck of Jet. Then when we call Brandy in, Jet's going to have no choice. What a great idea. So that's exactly what we did. Well, the first couple of times, it was fascinating to see. It was like a a comic strip, as as we called for Brandy to come in home, and she would try and make her way. Jet, of course, was rebellious, and would try to run and do her own thing. So you had these two puppies both pulling in opposite directions, and uh, Jet would be pulling Brandy, and then Brandy would be trying to pull Jet. Well, after a couple of times, it was so interesting because Brandy got her will and was able to march, uh, steward Jet into my mother's house. I thought that was fabulous. Why was Brandy <laughs> pulling Jet that way? I'll tell you why. Because Brandy had her mind made up. She was fixed. She had a goal. She was going home. You see, at home, she knew the comforts. She, she would lie on the back of my dad's neck. She would be looked after. She was cared for. She was focused. She was solely minded. She knew exactly where she was going, where Jed was just having a good time. And I got to reading God's Word and I discovered something that it's not about brains or brawn. It's about our motivation and our determination. Because our life must be marshaled, motivated by a goal, and molded by a sense of purpose. Well, I was reading God's Word, and I read there about men and women who took on projects just like that rebellious dog jet. Rebellious people going their own way, doing their own thing. Oh, I tell you, they had difficult times up and down, but they were so focused on accomplishing the will of God in spite of good days, bad days, trying days, trying times, they were focused on accomplishing the will of God for their life. Question my friend, what do you want God to do for you? Your desire determines your destiny. Is it healing? I believe that by His stripes we are healed. Is it your physical needs? My God shall supply all your needs. Is it a problem? Is it a challenge? Is it habit patterns changed? Well, the psalmist said, This poor man cried unto the Lord, and he answered him. Last Sunday in our service, Matthew Morgan at the family service was talking about the promises of God. It was incredible. But as I'm listening to him, I thought, Matthew, all these promises are empty, vain, useless, unless we meet the conditions to see them come to pass. The Word of God, do we believe it? Do we claim it? Are we standing strong on it? I was reading about Caleb. You know Caleb from the Old Testament. He was 85 years old. Joshua now is dividing up the land between the 12 tribes. And Caleb comes before Joshua and says, Joshua, give me my inheritance. Give me my portion. Now, what was Caleb claiming? He was claiming not a valley or a plain. You would think that a man of 85 would go for the the simple fare. No, he was claiming a mountain, Mount Hebron. He had wandered in the wilderness for 40-plus years because of the disobedience of the children of Israel. But Joshua and Caleb, the Bible says, have a different spirit. The rest of the spies that went out to check out the land, they had a grasshopper complex. They felt small, limiting, Minimalize. They did not think that they were able. By the way, it was not according to their ability. It was what God was going to do in and through them. The Bible says two spies, Joshua and Caleb, all those years ago, they returned with a good report. Yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey, but listen, our God is able. They had their minds made up. Now Caleb, all these years later, he approaches Joshua and he says, Joshua, I know that our God was faithful then and I haven't changed my mind. I know that he can do it now. I've wandered for 40 years. I've had dreams and plans. But this day, listen, I still want what God promised me. Folks, I don't know about you, but maybe you've gone through disappointment challenge, you've gone through loss, you've gone through different seasons of life. Are you holding on to the promises of God? Have you made your mind up what God said he was going to do? I know he's going to do it. The Bible tells us another story about a a simple man called Elisha. He was following after a man called Elijah. Elijah is about to depart, and he says, Elisha, what can I do for you? He says, I want a double portion of your spirit. The young prophet saw something significant on the older man, and he says, see what's on you? I want twice as much. Wouldn't that be incredible if people saw the anointing of God resting upon our life? Elijah says, hey, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I part, you will receive it. At that point, there are at a place called Gilgal. Now, in the Bible, Gil- Gilgal was where the children of Israel were circumcised. It refers to being sanctified or set apart or, 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 or uh, separated, yes, for the work of God. And I tell you what, when you make your mind up, if you want to fulfill the conditions, I believe that God is still looking for a people that are set apart for His purposes. That are not getting involved with the affairs of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of it. Men and women who aren't going to compromise their faith, their values, or their belief systems, especially in this age when there is so much going on. No, I stand on the word of God. We need people that are set apart. They then moved from Gilgal to a place called Bethel. Now, Bethel refers to the house of God. That's where Jacob saw, it, what, what he saw, a vision in the dream of the house of God. I love that. I love the house of God. I'll be honest with you. I'm just old-fashioned. I love what we can do online. And I love what it allows us to provide. uh, But the sad thing is there are many people literally around the world now that are only choosing to watch online and are not now attending regularly the house of God. I love the house of God. I love Apex Church. I, I'm so thrilled to be part of what God is doing here because for me, I find community. I find connectedness. I find my family. I find my tribe. I still love the church, the house of God. I love the fact that here at Ibex Church that we have generations, we have, we have young and we have old, which is very biblical, you know, the prophet said in those last days, you know, we have visions and dreams of both the young and the old, it's not one or the other, it's that connectedness together, why, because we are the family of God. From Bethel, the prophets then went to Jericho. Now, Jericho, before the walls came tumbling down, Jericho is where Joshua went out one night and he saw this man with a sword in his hand. He went up to him because Joshua was no coward, and he says, are you for us or are you against us? And this man, this angelic, this this, this heavenly being saying, no, I'm not for you or against you, but as commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. And the Bible says at that point that Joshua just bowed down before him. It represents the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you can have your mind made up, but we have got to be submitted to the will and the way of God. Sanctified, the house of God, submitted to his lordship, And then from Jericho, they went to Jordan. Jordan signifies death. I tell you, there's got to be a dying to self. Holy determination, singleness, and directed purpose is what we see in the life of Elisha. He wanted the anointing. He wanted that double portion. He had his mind made up. He wanted the touch of God. James, uh, in the first chapter, says these incredible words. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. One of the translations puts it this way, undulating and vacillating. I really like that. Can I say that again? undulating, and vacillating. Have you ever noticed waves? One minute they're up, and the next minute they're down. The ne- one minute they're over there, and the next minute they're, they're over here. They never stand still. And, and James is saying, a man without a fixed mind is like a wave. They will receive nothing for the, from the Lord. Why? Because not fixed, not determined, double-minded, no Resolve. You may say to me, but Neil, I've, I've failed so many times. What's the point? Well, the Bible says that the godly may trip seven times, but listen to this. They will get up again. It's bad to fail, but my friend, it's criminal to stay there. Have you made up your mind? And then Jesus says to this man in this incredible scripture, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. You know what I term that? Let's wake up our faith. The Bible says there are three things that God cannot do. God cannot lie. The Bible says he's not a man that he should lie, nor the Son of Man that he should repent. God cannot fail. Aren't you glad to hear that? Moses says there has not failed one word of all his good promise. And then in Hebrews 11:6 we read these incredible words. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. God cannot lie. God cannot fail. And God cannot be pleased without faith. To trade in the marketplace of heaven, we must understand that faith is the currency. Jesus marveled on two occasions. Well, I tell you, when you get Jesus' attention, you know you're up to something. In Matthew chapter 8, a centurion approaches Jesus. Jesus, my servant is sick. Would you heal him? Jesus says, yes, I'll come to your house. The centurion said these words. But sir, he says, I am a man in authority, also a man under authority. I say to folk, come and they come, go and they go. Basically, I say jump and they say how high. Jesus, I'm a man in authority, but I recognize your authority. Only speak the word. And Jesus said this, I have not found anyone in Israel with such Great faith Come with me to Matthew chapter 15. The Syrophoenician woman, the Canaanite woman, her daughter is, is demon-possessed. She comes to Jesus, and, and it seems like Jesus is ignoring her. In fact, Jesus says something incredible. He says, says "We can't take the, the food and, 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 and let them. eat. even the, you know the crumbs, the crumbs that are under the table. And she said these incredible words. But even the dogs can eat from the crumbs that are under the table. It seems that Jesus is saying, "Uh, what are you doing here? But this woman's faith and desperation pushed her to the point that Jesus turns around and says these words, Woman, you have great faith. Why was there great faith? Because when Jesus says he can't take the food and give it to anyone, she says even dogs can eat of the crumbs. I wonder if Jesus can say to us, how great is your faith? You may say to me, well, Neil, I'll be honest, I I don't think I have any faith. I, I don't agree with that. Romans 12 tells us that everyone has a measure of faith. You need to make up your mind. That's what I would say to people. And I would say, wake up your faith. Come on. What is God saying to you? What's your challenge? What's your disappointment? What's the thing you're waiting for? What's the thing you're longing for? What are you waiting for God to do? Can it be that you, my friend, and I, we need to wake up our faith? That thing that once we believed for, but now seems so distant. That prodigal son returning home. I tell you, this church, Apex Church, would be a different place if we were all to wake up our faith. If we were to stir our faith, if we were like that Canaanite woman, in spite of what seems to be a negative, and it's not for you, since I'm so desperate, I'm pushing. If we were like that centurion that says, wait a minute, Jesus, I recognize authority. I understand who's in control. And I can't deal with this, but I know that you are Lord, that you are Master, and you have got this covered? Would you wake up your faith? And then Jesus said these incredible words. When Jesus said to him, pick up your mat and walk, we then read that what did this disabled man of 38 years do? We read this, and he picked up his mat and walked. I love that. And if I only had a few moments, one last time to inspire you, I would say, my friend, you need to make up your mind. My friend, you need to wake up your faith. But then I would say this, you need to take up your cross. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The beautiful words of that old hymn, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Notice something. We're told to take up our cross, but we must cling to his cross. The old rugged cross where Christ died. He died for you and he died for me. He paid the penalty for our sin. My friend, will you take up your cross? Gypsy Smith, who was an old, old evangelist, uh, back in the the late 1800s, he was well known for preaching with vigor and passion. And and he was once invited along to an afternoon service. It was a ladies' service. And the letter read something like this. uh, Gypsy Smith, we'd like to invite you to come and preach for us. It's only a a lady's service on a Monday afternoon, and it won't take much out of you. They thought that by saying that, that Gypsy Smith would think, okay, I, I can do that. Listen to his response. My friends, if it will not take much out of me, then it won't be of any value to you. Because if I'm going to preach, I preach with everything I've got. There was a man... With his mind made up, whose faith he had awoken and who was taking up his cross and who was determined that he was all in for the cause of Christ. The apostle Paul, when he was going towards Rome, he said these words, I'm ready to go. Now please remember this, for Paul, Rome meant death, but for Paul, death meant gain. Paul had lived his life. He'd been in prison. He'd gone through stonings. He'd, he'd been in the, in, in the sea. He'd, he'd go, been through shipwreck. He'd, he'd gone through all that. He'd been accepted and rejected. But Paul was determined to take up his cross. There were no half measures. There were no compromise. There were no, we'll just see how it goes. He was sold out for the cause of Christ. My friend... If I had a last opportunity to inspire you, I would say these words. Would you make up your mind? Would you wake up your faith? Will you take up your cross? You're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or my words have challenged you in regard to the relationship you have with him. You feel and you know that you're not all in. You're not walking with God. You're compromising. You're you're a little bit of church and a little bit of the world, a little bit of God and a little bit of the God of this age. My friend, that does not work. I have decided to follow Jesus. Would you make up your mind today to give your heart to Him? And I know that that takes faith. It's faith and believing that when I pray that sinner's prayer or when I put my trust in God that he would forgive me of my sins. And then the next step is I want to live a godly life for him. That means taking up our cross. That means dealing with the issues that would try and hold us back, anchor us, restrict us. Ah, I'm taking up that cross because I want to die to self to live for God. Friend, if you would love to Commit your life to him today. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner, but you are my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Cleanse me of all these wrong things. I make you Lord and I make you Master. And I surrender my life to you to follow you all the days of my life with everything that is within me. My friend, if you prayed that, would you just get it in the chat? I said yes. And someone will be in touch with you. Well, I trust that you've been inspired this morning and that you will make godly choices, fixed, determined, resolved. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.